I'm going to go to multiple places in the scripture this morning and it all hinges on an encounter that I had with God a few weeks ago in a meeting. I have just recently found myself being asked to serve on multiple boards in various places and and some of them um, I wish I hadn't agreed to serve on, but there's one particular board that I walked into the other day. It was my first meeting and it's actually called the World Missions Board and it's a It's a board of directors who oversee thousands of missionaries in almost every country on the planet. And I walked into that meeting not knowing what to expect. It was my first meeting, so I just sat there quietly and listened. And while I listened, I heard directors. There are six different directors over world missions, and they each have a region of the world where the missionaries in that region are report back to them. And these direct the directors of these regions came and gave reports in this meeting that day. And the reports they gave us were so amazing. I I was amazed at how awesome our God is. The problem is, much of what they were reporting is happening in sensitive nations of the world and they are unable to print about it. They are unable to talk about it because doing so would put the lives of the missionaries or the local believers in danger for living out their faith. So these are miracles that cannot be told. Testimonies that cannot be spoken except in very private and confidential settings. Before we leave here today, I'm gonna, I have permission to tell you one of those stories. They're going to turn off the recording to protect the folks that are involved, but I want to share with you one of those stories before we leave. I can't share all of them for time or sensitivity purposes. But I sat in that room, and I I was listening to this. I was weeping the day long of hearing these reports, and I was burdened by the challenge that Christianity has at advancing in the world. And yet I was encouraged at how awesome and merciful God is at working against those challenges and showing the world how desperately He loves them. And I was challenged at how many of these men and women are giving their lives to go into these at-risk places so that the world does know how desperately Jesus loves them. I sat there in that meeting and wept and I thought, man, I wish the entire church could be here to hear what I'm hearing. And when I thought that, the Holy Spirit began to deal with my heart. And at the time, we were just beginning the transition series and going through about the practical information. What does the Bible say about how to navigate life transitions? And then I thought about it. I thought, you know what? What we'll do is we'll come to the end of the transition series. I'll try to find some way to share this information. And hopefully, if I just give God a chance, He will stir the heart of the congregation the way my heart was stirred in that meeting and opening my eyes to see the need to love people who do not have a witness of who Jesus Christ is. So I came back and I shared with the staff. They said, Pastor, that's a great idea. I said, but you know what? The problem is it's Mother's Day. And I need to focus on mothers and I don't need to focus on missions. And one of the staff pastors said, well, you know what, pastor, there's really no better day to focus on missions than talking about missions on Mother's Day. Because what you're asking for, you're asking for more than money or funds. You're asking for the heart of a congregation to engage with God's agenda in the world. You're asking them to love and nurture the heart of God. Mothers are the nurturers, the lovers in the church. They're the nurturers, the lovers in the family. 
So we're trying to connect with the nurturing part of missions today. Yes, at the end of this service, we're going to receive an offering for the missions work of God in the world. But more than what I'm, more than an offering, I'm asking God, I just, you know what I told God? I said, God, anyway, how do I reproduce the moment? Whatever, He wrecked me. I was sitting around this table listening to these direct reports. He wrecked me sitting at the table listening to what God was doing in the world. And I want you to be aware of that too. You know, at North Place Church, we have a, one of our core values is called global expansion. Global is the combination of the two words, global and local, because according to the Word of God in the Bible, missions happened local and it happened global. It happened around the planet and underneath the shadow of the believers where they lived, but it also happened all around the planet. And what I'm asking you to do with me today is to capture the heartbeat of God. I'm asking you to capture the heartbeat of Scripture. I'm asking you to capture the heartbeat of this church. And I want us to make what I'm calling the great transition. We've been in a sermon series on transitions and it's been about us. We baptized 81 people on this platform last week. Amazing. I, I reported 65 and they told me that I counted wrong. And it's amazing when a preacher undercounts. You know, we're always guilty of overcounting. I undercounted. 81 people got baptized on this platform. And, and the fact that we, we were able to see that happen locally does not negate the responsibility that we have for God's agenda in the world. If it's happening to us, we need to transition from what God is doing in us to what God needs to do in the unreached around the world. So we're transitioning from reached to unreached, from us to them. And I pray that in this next few moments, the Holy Spirit has the opportunity to burden your heart for God's agenda in the world. I tell you again and again that you cannot bear God's name adequately without bearing His nature. And His nature is that His glory would cover the entire earth. His nature is that none should perish, but that all should come to everlasting life. His nature is that by any means, He would go to any means necessary to demonstrate His love, so much so that John 3.16 said, God gave His Son He so loved the world that He gave His Son. He is a generous God, a giving God, a merciful God, stooping as far as He had to stoop to build a bridge for an unholy humanity to be reconciled to a holy God. It is missions that takes the message that has transformed our life to see 81 people baptized and eventually see the world come to know Jesus Christ. Our service hosts, I know some of them have already departed their posts, but I'm going to ask if they can. They've been waiting on me. I want them to put a card into your hand. If you guys that could get... To, these, these are faith promise cards. You don't have to do anything with this right now, but I'm going to come back to it in just a moment. If you could go ahead and begin to serve the people. If you've been a part of North Place Church, you have seen these on more than one occasion. If you are new to North Place or new to a church that has a missionary heart, then you may not have heard of a faith promise. I will tell you this and I will come back to it in a moment. This card has the power to change the world. And I will explain that in more detail in just a moment. Just take that card, set it aside, and I will come back. Before Jesus left the earth, this is what He said. Jesus said this in Matthew 28, 18. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And I am with you always to the end of the age. That is the last instruction that Jesus gave His church 
before He ascended into heaven was that they were going to be empowered with the Holy Spirit to take this gospel that had changed their life to the world. It is not the great suggestion, it is the great commission, the great commandment. And so because it is a commandment, it was the instruction of our Lord before He left the earth that we cover the earth with the glory of God being a missions-minded Christian and being a missionary-minded church is not an option. It is part of being a Christ follower. If we're going to bear His name, we have to bear His nature. And the nature of God demonstrates itself all the way back in the beginning. In Genesis chapter 22, God is talking to Abraham. Abraham has taken his only son son Isaac and laid him on the altar and God says this to Abraham Abraham I'm going to spare your son Isaac but because you have been obedient in what I've asked and laid down the ultimate sacrifice I'm going to let your seed bless the entire earth he literally says through your seed all nations of the earth will be blessed Genesis 22:18 and in your offspring or your seed Abraham all the nations of the earth will be blessed because you have obeyed it was in that moment God established a covenant with Abraham. Last week, you may not think it was that uh, part of God's promise to Abraham, but some of you were here and saw the fact that at 9 o'clock in the morning, a young man named Carlos gave his life to Jesus. He stayed around, was baptized in water at 11 o'clock. Carlos was in church here. I saw him just last service. When Carlos gave his life to Jesus Christ, it was God keeping his promise to Abraham. Because God said, Abraham, because you've been faithful to me, through your seed, all the families of the earth are going to be blessed. And it was through the seed of Abraham that Jesus was born. And because Jesus was born and shed His blood, now all of us come into the family of faith. And every time somebody comes to faith in Christ, it is God keeping His promise to Abraham. The missionary heart of God shows up in Genesis 22 because He wants the whole earth to come to the one born of Abraham's seed. You follow it all the way through the Scriptures. David in First Chronicles 16. The Ark of the Covenant has come back to its rightful place. The glory of the Lord, that was the symbol of God's presence, had come to its rightful place. And David being a singer and a songwriter begins to sing a song of praise. Listen to the psalmist, the man after God's own heart. He says this, Sing to the Lord all the earth. Notice, all the earth. Tell of His salvation from day to day. Verse 24, declare His glory among the nations, His marvelous work among all people. And then verse 31, let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice. Let them say among the nations, the Lord reigns. In other words, in every nation, go make the announcement. The kingdom of God has come. There is salvation, there is peace, there is deliverance, there is hope. Announce to those people the Lord reigns. His dominion, His rule, His kingdom has come that is why the Lord's prayer Jesus said when you pray pray this way your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven the Lord's prayer is a missionary prayer that the kingdom of God would be expanded into all the earth global expansion it's the heart of this church and it's based on Acts 1 8 verse 8 says you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. There are some things that are happening in our world that make the matter of missions more important than maybe what you realize. There are people that we've been able to reach in the past because they are closed to the gospel that are now open because of technology. 
I have missionary friends that are working on the internet that are reaching into unreached places of China where there are people hungry for Jesus who cannot get to Him because of... They can't get to information about Him because it is, is in danger. Puts them in danger, but they are coming to faith and being discipled. The rapid acceleration and deployment of technology, particularly in the communication field, will influence how we evangelize. You know that YouTube videos are downloaded a hundred million times every day. Facebook membership equals the size of the fourth largest country in the world. And worldwide, two billion mobile phone users send six billion text messages every day. I had one dad tell me his daughter sent half of those. The increase in world population by the year 2050 will have global ramifications. The population will grow from 6 billion in 2000 to 9.15 billion in 2050. And most of that growth will occur among poor countries. Listen closely. In 1913, Europe's population exceeded China's. By 2003, Europe and the U.S. will only compose 17% of the entire world's population. In 2010, China will graduate 800,000 engineers, mathematicians, technicians, and scientists. And India will graduate 600,000. And together, those two countries will graduate 12 times the output of the U.S. university system. What you need to understand, friend, is that our world is not an Americanized world. Our world is not a Christianized world. And there is a world that is in desperate need of the love of Jesus. A few years ago, I was in India, and I walked through that country of one billion people and found out that 75% of that one billion people is under the age of 35. And I was convinced that what God does among that 75% of one billion people in India, those young people, those 600,000 engineers that are going to come out in 2010, I, I, I realized whatever God does with those young people is going to happen in the world. And if we could somehow reach that 75% of India, it would shape the world for the cause of Jesus Christ. We better get busy with the concept of missions and not just sit back and finally think God's going to take care of this Himself. Yes, God has an agenda to reach the world, but He doesn't use angels to do that. He uses us. The angel cannot sing the song of the redeemed. The angel does not know what it is to be forgiven. He takes someone who has been redeemed to tell the story of love and redemption. He uses us. You see, the youth population of the world is exploding. And in the developing countries that have strong Muslim influence is where it's happening the most. 70% of world population growth will be in the 24 countries with the average lowest income, $3,000 annually in those countries, U.S. dollars. Worldwide, of the 48 fastest growing countries, 28 are majority Muslim. So there's an explosion of young people among those countries, and many of those countries are closed to the love of Jesus Christ without hope of getting a missionary there in some ways, unless those people are willing to risk their life to go to those very unkind places to outside religious influences. I'm about to introduce you to a missionary family that we have supported for. I heard them say almost 17 years. I don't know exactly how long they've been on the field 17 years, but a greater majority majority of that 17 years, our church has been behind their missionary endeavors. They have come home for the first time in 17 years to raise funds for a new assignment that they are headed to. You say, well, Pastor, why did you invite them on this mission Sunday? Well, 
for several reasons. First of all, I wanted you to hear the heart of some real frontline missionaries. I want you to see flesh and blood that when we take up missions offering and I talk about giving to missions and 105 missionary families on six different continents, I wanted you to see them. I wanted you to experience them. I wanted you to hear their hearts. I also wanted Jane, the mother of this family, to help celebrate the concept of motherhood. Because it's a motherhood is sacrificed no matter where you are, but here is a mother who has five kids, been on the mission field 17 years, and about to go into one of these very difficult places where there is no church and there are no missionaries. An amazing degree of faith, an amazing degree of sacrifice, and yet I heard in our conversations together the amazing love she has for her children. So there's something to be said to all mothers from this missionary mother. And then thirdly, I asked them to come because I, I want them to just share with you a little bit about the group of people they're going to that has no Christian witness. People that can't even call on Jesus because they have no Bible, they have no church, they have no missionary, they don't know how to call on Jesus. The book of Romans says, how can they hear without a preacher? And how can he preach unless he's sent? And I want God to enlarge our hearts today. In just a moment, I'm going to introduce you to Gerald and Jane Dollar and their five children. They just recently returned from the mission field where they've been 17 years, two years in the Canary Islands, five years in Israel, most recently 10 years in the Ukraine. And God has given them an assignment to one of these least reach people groups that border Ukraine. I, um, I want you to know before they come that a lot of churches when they do missions, their missions work is a lot about projects, very vital projects, and we do those things too. Water wells where people are thirsty, medical clinics, building churches and Bible colleges and schools, those are very important. But we are committed that the great missionary work of our world is being done by people. And our missionary budget here is focused on people more than it is projects. The great percentage of every dollar we give goes directly to people. And I wanted you to, enter, to see those people. In my heart, in our family, missionaries are our heroes. These are not people that went to missions because they couldn't do anything else. As you will see in here in just a moment, these are sharp people that could do anything they wanted to with their lives, but they walked away from everything because God tapped them on the shoulder and said, would you take my love to people who've never heard my name? And they walked away from everything and obeyed Him. I want to show you a video today. It's just a few minutes long, and it encompasses the story of our heroes. It's not specifically about the dollars, but it is about missionaries who give up everything to go serve other people. And I want you to listen to a song and watch a video that's simply entitled Heroes. One of the first heroes you're going to see in the video is somebody I've talked to you about, Jacob Bach. He's the missionary in Spain that stands on the big red box and talks philosophy and religion in the streets of Spain. You will see his children working with him in that video, and it will go to different missionary families in different countries of the world, celebrating them as people who've made great sacrifices to obey the call of God. They're people we need to rally behind. We have some of our heroes here today. I want you to listen to a song and see a video that tells similar stories. I'm going to invite Gerald and Jane to the platform. Would you welcome some of our very own missionary heroes this morning to the platform?
Thank you for being at North Place Church, and it is an honor for our church on a regular basis to have the opportunity to partner with you. And I'm going to ask you guys, if you will, just introduce your family to us. I know you have five children, and uh, some of them are here this morning, and I want you, they're all here, but some of them are in the building. So if you will, uh, just introduce your family to us. Okay. Um, we have five children, uh, ranging, uh, finished her first year at ORU, and I have a two-year-old, so... Quite a range. Uh, three of them are here. Stand, girls, please. And uh, this is uh, and they are Victoria and Natalia and Anna. And our son really enjoyed the kids program. He wanted to go back in for the second service. And uh, and and then we have uh, a two-year-old Grace in the nursery, where she is. Can where you she belongs. Start off just by telling. <laughs> start off by telling us um, what is it? You know, we're going to get into this is practical. Then I want to get into where you're going because it'll connect our hearts to the unreached. But what is it like being a mother on the mission field? Well, uh, God is grace gracious, and He um, did it very gradually. I started on the mission field with one child that was nine months old. And uh, we left uh, Palm Springs, California, for a one-year missions assignment. We uh, took sabbaticals from our jobs. Gerald is a stockbroker. I taught at College of the Desert. And we went to the Canary Islands. There we built three churches. My husband is also a builder. And um, this one year turned into two and a half years. And our second child, Natalia, was born there. So um, I thought it was about time to get back to the U.S. because our one year had turned into more. But my husband had prayed and uh, was really called and said that we should go to Israel. They had asked him to go there to work on some projects. I had a six-week-old baby and a three-year-old. And I did not feel called to go to Israel. (laughs) So I said, you better have heard from God. (laughs) and so we went to israel and god did some amazing things there um i did get the call uh like my husband uh and uh, we had our third daughter born there anna anna yael and uh you know of course in jewish and and arabs uh, people live there and they were our friends and of course for the arabs it's very important to have a son you know your pastor was very excited to have a boy. Well, if you were there, he would be even more excited because you have no honor until you have a son. And so when I went to the doctor and was expecting my third child and they sent me for an ultrasound and I found out I was having a girl, um, he asked me, do you have other children? And I said, yes. And I said, I have two girls. This is a girl. Are you going to have an abortion? And I was shocked and I said, no. And I left there as soon as I could. And, of course, um, you know, for us it wasn't important, but Gerald's, one of Gerald's best friends, an Arab pastor, had a, a son, his firstborn, and named him Gerald to give him some honor. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> okay, but, you know, God is, um, gave us the desire of our heart, and um, later on in Ukraine our son was born. And I didn't share it in the first service, but... You know, um, when, when I had Sydney, 
Um, it was a difficult pregnancy, and um, I found out at the last moment it was going to be a boy. So my doctor suggested that I, that my, she told me that my, my family was complete now, that I had my boy, and that I should consider having a tubal ligation. And so we did that. So now you wonder, why is this missionary of five kids? Well, you know, God give you grace, and he gave me grace. <laughs> Her name is Grace, and, and uh, this is a miracle because, again, they tried to do the, the tubal ligation. Well, nothing was wrong with it. It was all intact. So God really wanted her, and there's a purpose. And, you know, there's always a purpose in each child's life. And so I don't know why maybe somebody needed to hear that today, and, you know, and, and especially, you know, also with Grace, I was 42 years old when I found out that I was having another baby. It was a big, big shock. And the doctor again said to me, of course, their English isn't that perfect. She simply said, are you going to kill it? <laughs> and so, uh, anyway. You made a statement in the first service I really believe was prophetic beyond missions to motherhood in general. And it was about sometimes our, it seems like our children get in the way. And you made a reference of how your children actually have opened the door. Instead of being an impediment to your ministry, they have, they have been a blessing and aided that ministry. Yes, they have always been an asset to us in, in everything from a play date uh, with a friend, going to their homes and being able to share with their parents about the Lord. Uh, in their schools, yes, of course. In Israel, uh, our children went to Israeli schools, and they were fluent in Hebrew, and we were invited. It was, it's a very um, social kind of atmosphere with children. Everybody goes to each other's homes in the neighborhood to play, and the parents are always invited. And so we had lots of opportunities to share Yeshua with, with our Jewish friends in our Jewish neighborhood. It's illegal to be a missionary in Israel, and so our children never knew that they were missionary kids. Uh, they knew that Daddy was a builder, and Mommy uh, studied Hebrew at Haifa University. We lived in Haifa. And, um, you know, they, they actually didn't know they were... They thought they were Israelis. <laughs> <laughs> My oldest came home devastated one day because somebody at school told her that she was not Israeli. And I just never it had occurred to me to tell her that she wasn't. <laughs> And so, um, anyway, our kids have always been uh, an asset to us. And then as they grew, they're involved in more activities. Of course, sports start to come into the picture. And I was a tennis player. Uh, I went on a tennis scholarship to college, and that's where I met him. But uh, so tennis is a big part of our life, and the children enjoy it. And through all their coaching and all their friendships and tournaments and so forth, it's you know, it's been a great open door for us. And, uh, and so, of course, it's also been really great to get the, the scholarship for college <laughs> for our daughter. I know that transitioning to the new ministry we'll talk about in just a moment, you know, you're, it's, it's, it's a transition on the entire family. I mean, these kids are leaving their friends. Um, they've already left their home country. Uh, they build relationships everywhere they go, and now they're going to a new, and, and it, is a, it is a place without a church place without a missionary so it's not like there's this community there they're familiar with the language from what I understand uh, but as a mother who who understands 
There, there are mothers that are worried to let their kids go to college here in the U.S. You know, there are mothers that are worried to let their kids walk out the door because of fear. And I just think it would be valuable for you, for us, if you would just pray a blessing over mothers today and their kids before we go on any further on this Mother's Day. If you would just say a, a prayer of blessing over moms and their kids today. Yes, yes, that's a privilege. <clears throat> Thank you, Lord, for this privilege. Thank you, Lord, that we are mothers. And I'm so grateful that, that you are king, but you are also our father, and that we, we can bring our children to you, Lord. It's a great privilege to be a mother, and there are a lot of responsibilities involved, and fears and maybe you know we don't know how to do it right and we're not that great at it um, but God we can always bring our children to you Lord we can give them to you Lord and I pray for each family that each mother here represents I pray that you would bless them in a special way today and bless their children and father I just pray that you would give every mother here the desires of her heart Lord yes. and that every dream and every aspiration for her children would become a reality in you, Jesus. Yes. Because you love us and you love our children more than we could ever love them. And I thank you for the great privilege of being a mother. Amen. Gerald, you mentioned a moment ago, I just want this congregation to understand whether it's that widow or single mom that's $5 a month that $60 a year commitment she filled out on Faith Promise Sunday or the business family that's able to give significantly more money. I mean, big or small, because it comes in every month and it's faithful. It matters to you guys. You know, and I know this because I'm, it pays your bills, it puts food on your table, but can you just express to them what it means from your perspective as missionaries, that monthly commitment to missions? Yeah, I've been on both sides and and uh, both the sending and and the going. You know, I, I grew up as a pastor's kid, and my father led the church in a tremendous vision for for missions. So at an early age, I had the opportunity to have have missionaries sit in the home, and I felt called at a very early age to go. And uh, but the Holy Spirit also dealt me with giving, dealt with me in the area of giving as a young man. Um, just out of university, the Holy Spirit arrested me and, and, and spoke to me in, in a youth service. And he said, he said, and I thought I was a pretty good Christian. You know, I'd followed the Lord and went to a Christian school and everything. And, and uh, he said, you're a hypocrite. That's what the Holy Spirit told me in my heart. And he, he said, you have the faith to believe me for your eternal security, but not for your social security. I'd kind of compartmentalized my life. I'll give God control of this part, and I'll kind of control this part. And I'd, I'd reserve that right to, for career and job and social, my Social Security, my provision for my fam, the provision for my family, that I could handle that pretty good and then let God take care of all, all these spiritual parts. But you know, every aspect of our Bible, if one of these promises, if one of these principles isn't true, then none of it is. Right. It's easy to believe for salvation, but oftentimes it's, easy, it's a little bit harder to, to trust God with our finances, especially in times like this. As a stockbroker in California... I saw guys who had played the game of life perfect as far as the finances are concerned. These guys had climbed the corporate ladder, retired, and a, and a stock market crash, and this isn't the first one we've had. In 1987, I saw these guys come in in tears. They were in retirement, but they had lost everything. I grew up as a, 
growing up in a pastor's home, I heard all the cliches. It's better to give than receive. You know, get, uh, give and it should, all these other things can be given to you. You can't outgive God. But all these things sometimes are not played out in, in the way that we walk out our lives. So the Holy Spirit um, challenged me to be a giver. You know, Elijah um, was, went to the widow and during a time of famine. He said, make me your last meal and we'll, we'll eat that. And she was expecting to die after this last meal. And Elijah was blessed. He received the meal. The woman was the giver and her oil never ran out. What happened to Elijah? Next day, he was hungry again, looking for another gift. But the woman's needs were met at eternal. It is more blessed to give than receive. The Holy Spirit brought us step by step through, throughout that, that walk of giving and, and, and looking to him for our provision throughout our lives. And this year, the Holy Spirit, we're going to do uh, pledges here in a minute or faith promises. Well, we're... We're in the boat with you because the Holy Spirit challenges us as givers as well. And so the Lord has walked us step by step over the years. And uh, this year, and this is the part that I haven't told and don't normally tell, but the Holy Spirit has challenged us to, to give back our salary for missions to him and commit it to missions. And, we, and, and in addition and over that, the Holy Spirit has challenged me. $3,000 or a little bit more, the Lord has challenged us to step out in faith and make missions pledges to both to U.S. missions, world missions, and church planning here in North Texas over the next four years. And so we'll be going back, walking in faith, expecting God's provision. And you know what? I have zero fear of that. I have, I have seen and, and lived the principles of the kingdom of God, and I know that he is our provider. He is our source. The economy is going to go up. It's going to go down. The markets are going to crash. You're going to lose your jobs or get a better job. But he is our provider. And if we trust in him and we lay our lives at his feet, if we walk in his kingdom principles, it has nothing to do with our world's principles. He doesn't need much. In fact, he doesn't need anything to provide for you. What little we have, if we place it in his hands, is always more than enough. So I, I say that to say God is faithful. He has met our needs. will meet our needs through people like you. Uh, God has provided for us for 17 years without coming back. That's, that's incredible. It's, it's nothing but the principles of the kingdom of God. When we place what we have in his hands, it is multiplied and multiplied and multiplied and more than enough. Can we? Amen. <laughs> A lot of people don't realize that missionaries' kids go to schools you know, wherever, whatever country they're in, and a lot of the, the financial support local church gives help educate missionaries' kids. So, I mean, there's the whole gamut is, is, is a part of missionary funding. Um, let's talk for a moment about where you're going, okay? You, you've, you've gone to Ukraine, you've been there 10 years, but now God has captured your heart for the Tartar people. It was in this meeting that I found out for the first time the Tartar people even existed. The meeting I started out the message with this morning. The Tartar people are a people that were mistreated by the former Soviet Union. And um, they, they were literally, underneath Stalin, were put in cattle cars and shipped out of the Soviet Union in cattle cars. It was a month-long ride on a train and... We had a video that I don't have time to show you this morning, and these excerpts come from that video, from individual testimonies from people that remember that, elderly Tartar people. 
they literally had people die beside them on the train and they would stop every day and throw the dead out and just keep on going. These ill-treated people have now come back and they are kind of wanderers in their own homeland. There are seven million of them and through the years they've embraced Muslim, the Islamic faith. And because of that, they're very closed to the gospel. There's no church among them, no witness among them, and the dollars are taking their family back to begin establishing the work of Christ among the 7 million unreached Tartar people. Um, It is an uphill battle. It is a monumental challenge, but something supernatural had to happen in your heart to get you guys to relocate, to commit to one of these. I mean, in the natural, I mean, stockbroker, college professor, um, you know, people that are sitting out here that understand kingdom are thinking you guys have lost your mind to take these five beautiful kids into this unreached area and go alone. You're actually going with a few other families, but can you just talk and speak to that for a minute? Well, we will be going, as the pastor says, it's it's unreached. We say unreached, but they're not unreachable. We've had close Muslim friends. We've lived and worked beside Muslim people. We've been in Tatar homes and other Muslims and I'm convinced that they can be one for Christ. There are people like you and I with, with, an, with a desire to know God. Jesus said, look, the fields are white and ready for harvest, but the labors are few. The labors are few. The only reason many of these unreached people group are still unreached is because there's no one to labor among them. We don't really have a harvest crisis. What we have is a labor crisis. The harvest is ready and and, and there, but there's no one to gather it. There's a few things that we need to do right now in order to, to keep this generation from following every generation before it to hell. Can you imagine that? A group of people who every single generation has gone to hell. But we can change that. As we take the word of God... His love and His message of hope to the Tatar people. A whole generation can be changed for for Christ. We need to pray that God would break the strongholds that are binding this people. We need to give and and send and equip those who can go. And it's also going to take an army of committed, spirit-filled believers. Professional people. Normal people. (laughs) We're all normal people. Doctors. uh, Computer technicians. English teachers, those willing to go and serve so that this generation will have a hope that no other generation has had before it. You guys are going to be a part of, there's no Bible in the Tatar language, so there's going to be a translation of a Bible. You're going to conduct youth camps to build relationships with them. Is that right? A medical, uh, you're going to oversee, and church planting. So there's going to be the beginning of the first churches among the Tatar people is going to begin when you guys... Return microfinance. Yes, yes. And then the microfinance. A lot of people don't understand that. There are small loans that are made in these countries for people to begin a business, a small business, a $250 loan. That's why it's called microfinance, paid back on very little interest. And these microfinancing allow these communities to get back on their feet and they open up a door and a trust level for people of faith to share the gospel with. So uh, microfinance.
I want to tell one story that I have to turn the, uh, the stuff off in just a moment. It's about another unreached group before we receive our faith promises. But I'm so thankful that you brought your family all the way here. And I, can you guys say one more thing? I mean, just if there's one, anything else you want to say, I just wanted to give you that opportunity. I know you get a chance to spend time with your family on Mother's Day, which you normally don't get to do that. You're on another, in another country. So uh, anything else you would like to say to this congregation or about where you're going or anything, just go ahead and share your heart. First of all, I'd like to say thanks. You guys have been a big part of, of allowing us to stay on the field for 17 years now. And, and uh, also, we get uh, emails from the Lichties on a regular basis. And one of the incredible things that we may write off, but it's prayer. And your church regularly asks us for prayer requests. You will... You, don't get an opportunity to hear the results of many of your prayers that, you, that go up. But I've been spared from narrowly missing uh, bus bombings in Israel, an airplane that crashed in Siberia, prison in South America. But God has spared us from some things and walk, gone through us, help us and walk beside us and carried us through other things. But it all is because of prayers that go up. And without that, not only for our protection and our well-being, but also the people that we're going to have no hope. They are hopelessly lost unless spiritual warfare through prayer and fasting takes place to break the bondage and the, the strongholds of Islam, of tradition and, and hopelessness that are gripping the, these people. It will not happen, and the scriptures clearly tell us some things don't happen except through prayer and fasting. And so besides the giving, there is of tremendous back. I mean, you've got our backs when you're praying for us because that's what we need when we're on the field. Thank you, guys. Thank you. I'm going to ask Pastor Bear, if you will, to come. And uh, I'm going to ask uh, the audio-video folks if they'll stop the recording for a moment.